What is up, Disciple Makers? This is the Disciple Makers podcast by discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and right out the gate, I owe you all an apology. I made a mistake and I switched track session number three and track session number one, and I can't go back and fix it now. I've got to keep going forward or it's going to mess everything up in our schedule. So if you listen to episode 34 and you were confused, that was my fault. This episode goes into more detail about the three-hour disciple. Doug Burrier talks about the three people, the three goals, and the three strategies that always work in disciple-making. And he really just opens our eyes to the fact that it's amazing how much transformation can happen in somebody's life if we devote three hours of our time to them and getting them to consume the Word of God. Let's listen in. Hey, so I'm Doug. Hi. All right. So first thing I want to say is I'm going to start a few minutes early, but we won't do content early, okay? My name's Doug. I'm a decision scientist. I was not in ministry by trade. I left a really great paying job because I felt like God told me to do this. And then discipleship went awry. Anybody know that feeling? Like when I was working with teenagers, I could say, paint yourself purple to follow Jesus. What would they do? Right. And you say that to a 42-year-old and they go, what? Yeah, I don't think so. You say it to a six-year-old. So I didn't like adult ministry. I was like, this, whoever promoted me, this is bad. And so I was getting ready to quit. And I was in the shower where everything great happens. And God said to me, I gave you a decision science degree. You've solved everybody's corporate problems. How about you solve this one? And I was like, really? And so what you're going to get today is the result of 15 years of research that's real research that has real numbers behind it, but it's not boring. We went from 30, this is why I wanted to quit. Somebody told me the most effective discipleship program had 30% of the people who went on to make disciples. Now, who's been in business ever? If that was your sales thing, you'd be fired. And I was like, dude, I was billing out $2,000 an hour. There is no way that I'm working for a 30%. I mean, you can do that in baseball. That's it. So we started working and we started doing research. And our numbers started going up. Because we started tracing people who were successful. They didn't know why they're successful. So we were determined to find out why. Every time we found a success factor... We went to our church and a friend's church and beta tested. Boy, we destroyed some people. But the end result is today is that everybody who uses this method, which is not ours, it's God's method, we will give it away for free. We don't care. It's not ours. If anybody uses these methods of the way God created our brains to learn, the way he wrote his word, the way he made disciples, they're all getting 95% success. 95% success. That means 95% of their people get into discipleship over time. 95% of them finish three years. 95% of them make disciples. And 12 years later, 95% of them are saying, our life still rocks and they're still making disciples. We are on our ninth generation. Where are my shoes? Look down. Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a decision scientist. I wear these shoes when I give this speech. This is our favorite one. 
I wear these shoes all over the world. They're made by Carrick Bennett. Carrick Bennett is my sixth generation. That means I made somebody who 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 made Carrick. Carrick said the other day in church, all these churches are hearing about this. They don't have anybody to make disciples. Could I go be a missionary? Say it with me. 95% success. Is that cool? All right. I have three minutes left. Your intro left. I um, dislike these for two reasons. One, how many times do you go to these things, nobody ever tells you how to? Just all this, right? And it's not that the theory and stuff's not good, but there's never how to. Hey, can you go to the got question slide? Here's a scan code. Most of our research at this point is expanded by answering your questions. So if you have a question, if you could scan this code, if you could scan this code and submit it, we'll throw it in our pool. We love, in fact, this book came out of last year's conferences. The number one question asked in 21-22 across the nation in discipleship conferences was, how do we know when we've succeeded? Well, we knew, but we never actually articulated it. So we'll be talking a little bit later about that, but it, we actually know there's a way to measure. It's not just, oh, well, where'd they go? And so we actually track data. And all the churches who participate, they anonymize their data and track it. And you'll be amazed at the difference. So if you have questions, this will come up at the end again as well. But do you have any questions you want to answer now? We're doing this backwards. I have about 30 minutes. I can kill. I can kill an hour. I love this stuff. I'm a nerd. I'm a decision scientist. I got way too many degrees. And I really want you to become a disciple-making superhero. If that sounds cocky, I don't mean it that way because it took me forever. But we don't sell program. We don't have books, nothing. Our entire focus is God showed us how to become more effective, 65% more effective. And we were just trucking along, right? And then somebody said, hey, could you show us? And we were like, I guess. But we didn't really know what we were doing. Like, we knew, but does that make sense? Okay. So do you have any questions before I start babbling? Okay, decision sciences. Number one, it's somebody who six, <laughs> wow, somebody who thinks on six pathways all at once, you don't want to be married to him. <laughs> Ask Amber. Ask Amber. Amber, my wife, teaches advanced kids, and she, she argues that there, I am on some scale somewhere. Okay. Decision science was originated in Israel because they had to pick pilots for their military because everybody gets drafted. And two Israelis, an economist and a psychologist got together, and that was the birth of this. So what it is is this. I have a whole tool bag of ways to think differently about things, right? And everything's data-driven, so nothing just anecdotal. you got to get down to the whatever. So economics is all about value, right? So how do people make decisions? They, what, who said what they want? It's emotion. The only other way to make a decision is to make a decision based on value. That's the hard one to do. That's what economists study. So when you take that emergent with psychology, all of a sudden you're studying why people make the decisions they do good and bad. So we've leveraged all of that, which is the way God created us. 
Some of it, I think, actually comes through the fall, but it's still what we got. Okay, so we leverage that. Like, here's one we leverage from the fall. We only start discipleship once a year. Well, what do you do when the person comes to church the month after it? We look at them and say, next year. But that won't work. You're going to hear a lot from me that most of what we've been told doesn't work, works. Because every marketer knows that scarcity produces what? Value and demand. So they hang out for a whole year. We give them a journal. This journal right here. This is what we give them. It's awesome tool. You can take a look at it later. And, and we, we curate scriptures and send it to them every day until they can actually get in a group. So there's all kinds of... So that does that help? Anybody else? Before we get started? What's the number one key to the 90%? Okay, there is not a number one key, but if you're going to make me pick something, it's that we, our disciples, read the Bible. I need to repeat this for the recording. I'm going to get better at this, I promise. The question was, what's the number one key? The answer is, there really is not. There's like seven core things God told us. But if I could only pick one, it's going to be that in this method, disciples read cover to cover the Bible. They read cover to cover the Bible. They do it four times over the course of four years while they're making disciples. The average pastor, less than 9% of you, if you're pastors, have read the Bible cover to cover. More atheists, 12% in the United States of America, have read the Bible cover to cover than pastors. We, why don't we get our people to read God's Word? God's Word transforms us. God's Word comes alive in us. The Spirit uses it. Well, we don't think they'll read Chronicles. And the answer to that is because we're bored, we assume they're going to be bored. So I don't want to do shameless plugs, but I am an evangelist for just better method, like that'll just rock your world. We have on the last session, I guess, to the final session tomorrow, whenever that is. I'm not paid to know this, but whenever the final session is tomorrow, we have one called Stop Signs. And when you understand why stop signs are red, your discipleship will change forever. And what we're going to show you in that is that Bible reading method. It works with the way God designed us. So I would say Bible. Bible would be, if I have to pick one, I'm going cover to cover God's Word. But there's so much more. <laughs> I think it is going to entirely apply to your family. And I might disrupt what everybody wants you to do. Oh, see, I didn't do it again. What was the question? Do we? Yeah, the question was... We, the question was, uh, do we think this applies to children and families? And the answer is, they already have it recorded. Just rewind. I think it is going to entirely apply to your family. And I might disrupt what everybody wants you to do. Okay, good. Yeah, do you want to know why? Family Bible studies, family prayer times, family sit-downs, scheduled times are the least effective way to get your children to follow God. The most effective way, of course, is found in Deuteronomy 6. Live life with them and give them the truth along the way. The problem is, I don't mean it's wrong. I can, be, can I just be me and be a disruptor? Because that's what I am. The problem is, is that most of us haven't read the Bible cover to cover, so we don't know what to tell them. So it's not that home Bible study is not good. 
It's just that you go from an effectiveness of 50 to 90 when you walk with somebody along the way, including your kids. It's because it's his method. <laughs> yes. Okay, and I'm, I promise you, I'm going to give you how-to answers on everything you ask, even if we have to come back later at night to tell you this. Because I love this. So let me tell you how. Straight up. Oh. <laughs> We're going to have fun, aren't we? The question was, how do you implement this in a culture that's hostile? I mean, doesn't want to do this. No, they are hostile, right? All right. I was uh, talking to a guy. I, Evans, are you here? Oh, hey. So Evans was telling me. Well, I shouldn't call him Evans. We should give him another name. Yes, yeah. Jack was saying that in his church, he has a bunch of Sunday school classes that are like the 40s and no more, right? They just won't do this. So what Jack is doing, and I love it. He, he, we've never met, but he's stealing it because it's God's idea. Clandestine discipleship. By the way, this is our church growth model. We never want to be more than 150. Every time we hit 150, we go infiltrate. We infect. So the way you do this, you do not need permission to make disciples. Your board does not have to prove it. It's great if they go along. Nobody has to. So all you got to do is get a good method, and you go find yourself three or four people, and you go, and don't go, we're going to do this for three years. Uh -uh. Learn from marketers and decision scientists. That is a bad sales pitch. I mean, they all go to college for three years. They all practice ball for three years. People will invest the time. So if you don't believe they will, I just, data says you're wrong. But don't tell them that. Just freak them out. We're going to read the Bible cover to cover. Uh-uh. Shh. Just go. <laughs> hey, will you spend a year with me? Because my life has changed. And you go, well, what are we going to do? We're going to read the Bible. The whole Bible, dude, promise you, it'll be okay. Like 2,000 people have done this. It's awesome. It'll work. Whatever you got to do, just get them there. That's all you have to do. So what you do, if you can get your leaders, Darren, are you here? Okay, find Waldo, find the Darren Waldo, because he'll tell you, the Darren Waldo took his tw top 25 leaders, put them in five groups, their church changed in a year. All of it, all the politics, all the stuff. But if you can't do that, I love you. You are not my target. You're a pre-qualified audience that I hope to win over to a good method, because I care about the people in the pews behind you. So go find those people. You want to, and can I tell you the magical tipping point? When 40% of your people get through two years of discipleship, the old guard will have to decide whether they want to become disciples. <laughs> Did you say it? He said it. I'm Doug. What's your name? Harley. Harley? Harley. 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 Great name. So Harley said, or go. I put it on record that Harley said that. <laughs> All right, any others before we go? Any other questions before we start? Yes, sir. So the question is, the question is, is this my method? No. Is, yeah, is this a method to build church B around church A to change a church? Uh, that happens, but that's not the point of it. I, I don't mean, yes, that's going to happen. When you make disciples, things are going to change. They're going to change for good, but what that's going to do is force crisis into other people's world. I would, I would suggest that you read Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God and go look at that thing where God invites them, and if they don't go, well, off to Egypt, off to Egypt you go. And you're not responsible for that. But yes, it has transformed every church that's done this. It, I'm not going to tell you it's not without pain, but you have to make disciples. 
So if you can't do it where you're at, you need to go find somewhere you can. Can she repeat? She's already had one. What do you guys think? How did God tell you? How did God tell me what? Oh, gosh. This is 12 grueling years of researching every program that's out there. Every, there's a lot of good concept theory and program here. There's, understand, we're not, there's no problem with that. What we're talking about is how you become a superhero inside wherever you're at. Whatever method, whatever tool, whatever program. So if you've got another system, you're good. This is just about how you become way more effective. Does that make sense? The question was what? How did God tell me? The question is, how did God tell me? In the, in the shower? I hear so much in the shower because it's the only place my brain stops other than watching Star Trek. And my greatest illustration of discipleship is, any Star Trek people? The Borg. My theory on discipleship is, what? What's the phrase we're looking for? Resistance is futile. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you in formal discipleship. I'm going to get you from the pulpit. I'm going to get you on an event. I'm going to take you to coffee. I'm going to sneak my way in. And I'm going to use the same method every single time. And you're never, ever going to know it. Because guess what? What you learned here today, do not tell anybody who you're going to disciple. Because we are performance-oriented. The more you say, we're going to do this in year one, you're going to kick in the Satan part of their brain. <laughs> and they are going to do whatever they can to please you and you don't matter. If, if anybody gets offended and you're getting ready to leave, tell me because I can put a filter on. But okay, ready? Any more before we go? We'll have time at the end. Any more? All right, the rules were your questions, your talk, your time. We are, this is not your normal breakout. Your questions, your talk, your time. You interrupt me at any point with any question. Got it? My only request is this, you stay on track, because I hate it when I go to breakouts and somebody starts trying to grind their axe. So if you get an axe to grind about what we're talking about, I'm good. If you want to go to coffee and tell me I stink, that's awesome. I have had so many great people say so many hard things to me. So line up. If, you, if you're just mad at, what's your name? You look so familiar. Yes. If you just don't like what Chris said, yeah. Let's move on. Do you get it? So let's just, it, you ask anything you want, but I'll give you that. You give me, we do this. Is that good? Yeah. All right, good. Father, make us smart. God, make our brains work the way they're supposed to. Help me stay focused in my ever crazed way. Thank you for all the Waldos who came to help. Amen. All right, good. How long does it take to make a disciple? Number one question from the 2020-2021 Discipleship Tour. We go to all the conferences. We just write down your questions. Because we already got this. We're trying to get from 95. We're at 97% effectiveness. We can only promise you 90 because you are not compliant. <laughs> it's true. Everybody goes, but we need to customize this to our culture. And then Tim goes, be quiet. This is Tim over here. He's like the right hand. Jamie in the back, they're like, shh. Because they don't want to say the secret, which is this. Well, that's awesome. Why do you have to adapt it to your culture? How's that working for you? <laughs> I was with one of the largest, I think the largest denomination invited me to talk about this. Just share their thing. And I went, I shared it with him. And he said, well, we have a few ideas for you. I'm good. No, listen, I don't, this is not my venue. You know, I'm not on the main stage. We're nobodies, right? 
We're nobodies. I'll listen. So he told me how we should fix everything. And finally, he said, you know, you need a better marketing strategy. You need a better pitch. And I listened, and then I said, I put all the filters on, and I said this, what's your success ratio? Maybe this isn't for everybody, but it's 95% success over 12 years, sustained, measured, guaranteed, and I can tell you how to know when you succeed and how to succeed. What's wrong with that pitch? Why would you do anything else? They got real quiet, and I'll never be invited back. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Cool. How long does it take to make a disciple? Three years. This is called the three-hour disciple. <laughs> so if you want to know about three years, ask us later. No, we did not copy Jesus. It just worked out that way. Three hours. Three hours a week, you can make as many disciples as you want. That's all your investment is. By the way, two hours of that is their time. So all you have to do is carve out one hour a week. If you use a good method, a good system, you carve out one hour a week of prep. You give two hours to whoever it is. Carrie Newhoff says this, 80% of our success, 80% of our productivity comes out of 20% of what we do. Everybody knows that, right? My other friend, Joel Mom, wrote a great book called The Vision Map. You should get it. In that book, he argues this, what's 20% of your day? Just so happens it turns out to be 3.2 hours. His argument is whatever 20%, Whatever is the most productive thing that yields the most in your life, do it in those 3.2 hours when you are most effective. How many people are morning people? How many people are nighttime people? How many people are lazy? Okay, <laughs> raise your hand. All right. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where your 3.2 hours are. Pick them and do the 20% that yields the 80. Well, what's the most productive thing you can do in ministry? Don't think I'm ignoring you. I'm just trying to. Not burn my voice. What is it? What's the most productive thing? Well, you're in a discipleship thing, so we should say, make disciples. But biblically, it's the only thing he told you to do. He did not tell you to build programs, men's ministries, women's ministries, children's ministries. He did not tell us to build buildings. He did not tell us to preach. He did not tell us to do any, none of that. It's all good. It's all good. What did he say? Make disciples. So my schedule now, I have... I have lost a, I have evolved to a schedule that is 70% focused on disciple making. I just decided this is stupid. I'm going to go and try to do the most productive stuff all on my schedule. So they keep my schedule. 70% of my time is making disciples or making people or trying to win people, or do whatever towards discipleship. The rest of the stuff just happens. This is God's way of getting stuff done. By the way, UPS didn't ship our stuff. We don't have books to give you. The TV doesn't work. Maybe God's doing something. All right. So it takes three hours a week. In three hours a week, you can make two, you can make 12, you can make whatever. In that three hours, we're going to argue with you that there are three people. Okay. There are three goals and there are three strategies. Where are their handouts? Where's my Jamie? Where are their handouts? Okay. Sorry, we have handouts. Bart, we help her? If you're going to take notes, we have a cool little. All right, good. All right, so three people, three goals, and three strategies. Can I tell you a quick story before we do that? Because it's really what you need to hear before we do this. My wife and I, 
She's awesome. We were talking earlier about how much better I've made her since, <laughs> since we got married. It's incredible. The other day, we were playing cards with some friends and eating dinner, and somebody was like, I wish I had some carrots to go with this. And I was like, well, we had carrots. I saw them in the fridge. And Amber said, no, you don't have carrots. Is there something that we need to do? Or you, do, you need help from an Apple person? He's an Android guy. Okay, so, so, so we can get through this without this. So I was like, no, there's carrots. I saw them. And she goes, you know, I think that bag was sliced red bell peppers. And I was like, there's carrots in the fridge. So I got up to deliver on my promise, opened up the fridge, pulled the bag out, and it was... And I looked at her and I said, we have a new family phrase. She said, what? I said, I got no carrots. In discipleship, just about everything you think you know, you don't. That'd be my argument. We don't make disciples. God makes disciples. Jesus does not live in their heart. We don't freak out. Robert, are you here? I saw Robert a minute ago. He left. Robert, if you get freaked out, don't. Robert, in the back. Robert Mullins is a friend of mine. I'm not arguing against the sovereignty of God or anything. I'm just telling you that Jesus himself said who he left. Who did he leave? The Holy Spirit. Who transforms people? Holy Spirit. My point here is we got no carrots in this game. Most of it, talk about mentoring people. I would tell you my view on mentoring, I should mentor no one. I'm a mess. Is anybody else a mess? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Anybody else a mess? Yeah. Total mess. And, and so what am I, I mean, I can tell them what I know, but that's not called mentoring. That's called discipleship, right? Reach them, baptize them, and tell them what you know. You following me? Yeah. I got no carrots. I'll never make a disciple. I'll do some activities along with him because he said don't make. But all I'm doing is taking them and getting them to the guy who's going to make them, which is the Holy Spirit, and getting to the source of change, which according to the Bible is the word. All right, let's meet the three people in this episode. You ready? Did we find the handouts yet? Uh, they're coming from upstairs. Uh, well, it's okay. We're good. It's a beautiful slideshow for you. Your microphone is on your label thing on the back. So, I'm looking for a teaching pastor. <laughs> Do you want a job? Seriously, we're looking for a teaching pastor. So, like, if we are. Hey, dude, I'm sorry I'm doing such a terrible job. I'm trying to be distracted by this TV and everything else. So, we'll just go. Let's go. You ready? No, I. Yeah, you're good. Okay, so listen three people. Three people. The first person in discipleship, quite frankly, the most important person in discipleship is whom? No, not Jesus. Please don't say that. Even though he is the most important person in his story and our life. Who is the most important person in the discipleship relationship? The disciple. This scripture right here on the TV says <laughs> that Jesus, his words came that we might have life and have it to the fullest. He did not say, I came so that they will get saved and go make disciples. Let me ask you this question. What's your name, sir? Yes, you. Yes, yes. Tobert? Tover. Tover. This is Harley Tover. You guys have great names. All right, Tover. If you were the, everybody put on your Bible hats. 
If you're the only person on the earth, would Jesus still have come, preached, died, been buried, resurrected, and ascended to heaven? Yes or no? Yes. Why? Because that had to happen for you to get what? Saved. But wait, there's nobody else on earth to make a disciple of. Do you mean Jesus might have just saved us because he loves us? He might have just saved us so that what? We would be restored. The number one person is that individual. Not your group, not your method, not your model, not your church, nothing. You should care about nothing but Topher. He walks in the room, he's the star. I agree. <laughs> All right, good. He's the number one person. When we talk about this, it often gets a little bit of pushback. But, but sustainable discipleship, this method actually takes the disciple and makes the disciple the hero of their story. It makes them the Luke Skywalker who goes on a mission with God to destroy the evil Death Star in all of his friends' lives. But first, Luke must destroy the devil inside. How does he do that? He meets whomever. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yoda, Little Yoda, whichever one it is. And that person becomes his guide to the force. You're the guide. Holy Spirit's the force. Who's the hero? Luke, we don't want to say that because Jesus is here. Jesus is here in his story. They're hands down. Everybody good with the fact that Jesus is sovereign and everything else. But Jesus wants you. He wants you to have a full and abundant life. He wants that person. That's the target. He doesn't want him to look like you. He doesn't need him. People are like, well, they should, I should model the character of Christ. And then they can see me. Don't even make me get into it. You can pick up this red book if you want it. By the way, we give away everything free. If you don't have money, just ask. If you can support it, great. The red book says point blank. Really? How, anybody want to tell me how we measure the character of Christ? And how many of you have perfect character of Christ? Only you, John. Right? The most important person is that person. And us getting them to the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can take the Word of God and transform them. Are we operational now? Can I jump to a slide? I would like to jump to the slide that is how God makes a disciple. I'll show you this real quick. This is straight out of the Bible. A follower connects with a person. This is an intentional process. Who needs a plan or faces a challenge. And he leads them to what? God's truth. And then he calls them to action, illustrating what? Success and failure. Every disciple, Old Testament, and New, this is exactly what God did. Exactly what he did. When we're involved, they're the hero. The second person in discipleship is the Holy Spirit. This will never happen without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, what? What does 1 Peter say? Do you have my scriptures now? Awesome, go. Jesus said this, but when the Father sins, what? The advocate is my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything. He will remind you of everything and teach you everything. So if there's any hope for this person to be still following God 12 years later, it's what? The Peter put it this way. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, this is talking about how these people got to be Christians, right? In the sanctification of the, for obedience to Jesus, sprinkling his blood. So Jesus saved them, right? God called them, Jesus saved them. 
Who transforms them? Holy Spirit. If you're maybe from a background, I, I started going to church in a Baptist church, and when people said the word holy and spirit, it, people freaked out. I'm not picking. I'm just saying. Because other people had taken Holy Spirit and run it. But, but the bottom line is it doesn't matter where we're at or what our culture is. This is never, we, got, we have no carrots. carrots. Thank you. I can't hire you if you can't finish this. We have, we have no carrots in this. We need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows what? What's going on in Harley's heart? We like to pontificate and think, well, I've made so many disciples, I know what's going on with you. But we don't. He knows, Holy Spirit knows. What I need to do is let God's Word and the Holy Spirit cheer or sear. I don't need to do anything. If I convict you, He can unconvict you. But if the Holy Spirit does it, then you'll repent. Does that make sense? All right, person one is the disciple, like, they're the target, guys. Even if you have 12 people in the room, every one of them is an individual. Don't forget that. One size fits all. No. One material fits all. No. You're like, oh, great. How do you do that, Doug? Okay, that's like tomorrow morning at 8. Can you get up that early? We're going to talk about how you build amazing groups based on the science of human nature, the way you run a group, and the body of Christ. This is the thing we missed and so many people miss. God built the body out of a bunch of different parts. He did not build it all men, all women, all short, all tall, all old, or whatever. We have, I, I think that I'm the butt. I do. I think I'm the butt. I'm the disruptor of the body of Christ. That's it. Oh, the stuff that I say smells, right, Tim? And they're like, oh. The hand is like, what are you doing? I'm like, you fed me. <laughs> so we're going to talk about amazing groups 8 o'clock tomorrow these are not plucked yes they are because this will change your life and it's not there's nothing to buy it's all free alright good so we don't even have an income stream so, right. so the second person is the Holy Spirit third person is what we're going to get rolling here I got to go fast ready huh the disciples the first one right the, oh you the disciple yeah you thank you me him. Okay. <laughs> All right, good. So listen, so the point is it's you. So the, the thing is, is that this raises a huge question. Is this, do you have any idea what you're doing? Because if you, because if you don't, this whole thing goes where? You did, then it's just like, oh, listen, please just pray. We'll get together and pray. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit teaches you. So do you think you have to be a, your, uh, Ashley, I'm talking to Ashley. Ashley, do you think you have to be a Bible scholar to make disciples? No. Ashley says no. Okay, I'm getting better. All right, good. Are you with me? In fact, people who go to seminary make the least disciples on the planet. Most disciple makers are what? Reformed drug addicts. Do the math. Alcoholics, broken people who are like, I got to tell somebody about this. So I'm not trying to pick on us, but just be honest. This is all the stuff they didn't tell us in seminary, didn't teach us in seminary, because that's the reality. We talk about getting to the average person, but the average person already wants to make disciples, but just nobody ever showed them how. In this book right here, you can just, just read the opening line and put it back. But it, there's a poem. I wrote this poem. I don't know if it's good or not, but it's my heart. And it says this. We invited these people 
like immigrants into Christianity promising this incredible life. And if your journey was like mine, because I was an adult when I got saved, after about six months, I was a street person on the roads of Christianity. There was no guide to tell me the language, tell me find food, anything. And it ends by saying this, we should be prepared. So we have to be absolutely prepared. We have a couple slides on prep. Go, Tim. If you're going to do this, you need to be intentionally you. So if you're an expert, be an expert. If you're a nerd, be a nerd, whatever. But if you want to know from data, the data says this. People who succeed do these four things. They know what you are making. I don't have enough time to go over this. Are we going over this? (laughs) Two is amazing group. Three is, yeah, probably the third one where we talk about 14 intentional moments. We'll hit this. You got to know what you're making. What are you making? Can anybody answer me? Followers of Jesus. So what does that look like? Here's my argument. If I tell you to make a bicycle, can you make a bicycle? You know exactly what the components are a bicycle on? Bell, wheels, chain. And then I go, can you test it? And you're like, yeah. And you put your buddy on it. (laughs) And he rides it. And if if it rides like a bike, it looks like a bike, and those are the parts of a bike, it's a bike. And you can sell it. You're good. So you can't just say follower of Christ because what does that mean? You've got to have something. So, so you got to know what you're making. Oh, I'm just going to tell you too. We'll just, we're going to squeeze it all in. You're making somebody who knows what to do, who knows why to do it, who does it on their own. You with me? And navigates the unknowns like marriage, college, all the stuff that's not in that book, long after your influence fades, that's success. That's what you're trying to make. Yes, your success is measured by how many disciples do the right thing for the right reason, getting to you in a different way, do the right thing for the right reason, and navigate the unknowns of life long after your influence fades. They understand the why, they do it on their own, and they navigate the unknowns. We don't even measure success until we can release them. I mean, we, we measure them progressing, but there is no success if they cannot stand on their own. For example, how many people have grown kids? I'm sorry if they're living in your basement. We need them out. What we're doing is getting a bunch of people who are teenagers to make disciples, and by the way, you can, don't, you can measure your success by multiplication all you want, but cruddy disciples make cruddy disciples. You can't. Oh, yeah, but they're fully devoted followers of Christ. Harley, I bet, could have a word about that. What does that mean? Why why'd we add fully devoted followers of Christ? Followers of Christ would be devoted. They would be followed. Because we know that everybody says, I'm a Christian, is, is... So then we have to create classifications. What if we just didn't do that? What if we just actually measured it? Carrots. <laughs> that freaked me out because, like, your name's not on there. Okay. Karis? No, carrots. carrots. That's your answer. <laughs> okay, well. Carrots. <laughs> oh, you know what you just did to my brain, right? Just trying to help you out, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> if, if Carrot's here, 
<laughs> Can't, if he needs to constantly come to the church as the mother to be nursed, which is the model we have, let's be honest, we measure success by how many people come to hear from us on Sunday morning, rather than how many people are independent. We are a bit narcissistic. What I want is carrots here. It's going to be the best business card when you come work for me. All right, carrots here. I want carrots here to be able to conquer the world on his own and make people conquer the world. Isn't that what we got into this for? Okay, good. All right, so you got to know what you're making. You got to know how you'll make it. And by the way, don't, don't, I love you. Don't throw me your church method, your just pathway and all that. That's cool. That's what your church is doing to assimilate people. And along the way, you may make disciples. What I'm asking is on Tuesday, your name is? Bonnie. What is Bonnie going to do on Tuesday to help Jorge? Do you get it? That's how to. What's she going to do on Tuesday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon that's going to continue to make Jorge a follower of Christ? He said, well, we're going to get together. We're going to have an accountability group. You get to vote. Understand, if you get this wrong, you're probably going to help. <laughs> no pressure. Did Jesus run accountability groups? Yes. Any yeses? Did Jesus run counseling groups? Any yeses? Did Jesus run small groups? Any yeses? No, he didn't do any of that. He made disciples. Well, that'll mess with your head, won't it? So if what we're doing to make disciples looks nothing like what Jesus did, and it's just our, and you, by the way, you can make disciples. Don't, I'm not negative. You can make disciples in small groups. You can do that. But, but my point is you got to what? Know what you're doing. Like, what are you going to do in the first 10 minutes? Okay. Got you interested? Being prepared, confident, skilled. Our end rating is somebody who's prepared, confident, skilled, right? And where they know what? They understand why and they do it. And they navigate the unknowns. You need to be that person. It's really hard to lead somebody to Toledo if you don't know where Ohio is. <laughs> do you have to be perfect? No, you need to be moving. I don't have the slide I want to show you. So you guys pick one of these up before you leave. There is actually a pathway. No, this is not a church system. This is 14 steps. We're going to talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> but... These 14 steps, I promise you, every single disciple will take. This is what you need to be doing on Tuesday. You need to know where they're at, where they're going, and that will make it simple because you know exactly what to give them next. All right. So, and then you need to understand your role. We've already determined you are not God. You're not the Holy Spirit. You are not God. You got no carrots. So what is your role? Man, you're Yoda. Like, you're Obi-Wan Kenobi. The, just get them to the Holy Spirit. Get them. And you're like, how do you do that? And I can't do all of this just in one day, but I can get there. Okay? So they're going to tell you about workshops and everything else. And yes, you can contribute. You can't. We just want you to be the best you can be because we're having fun being the best we can be. And by the way, this is very uncomfortable for us because God told us to do this. This is way out of our league. Like, I just want to go make disciples and hide in my office. Got it? But you can do this. But you have to know what. And you need to understand your role. You, oh, I, again, what was his name? What did we call him? 
Jack. I was talking to Jack and Jack was like, yeah, so we're going to, I go, what are you going to do? He said, we're going to do these groups and then we're going to have him sign a covenant card. Please, if I offend you, just come tell me afterwards so I can repent. And I went, a covenant card? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, and what's it going to say? And he's like, that they're going to be there and they're going to this and that. I said, so you're trying to get them to be accountable? He said, yeah. And I said, what happens when the group ends? We well, you know what we're doing. When, when we get people to sign a covenant card to us, we've just totally usurped our role. Because if they're going to stand on their own, they need to be accountable to whom? Him. So why don't we just model that? Do you honestly think that you control things? <laughs> How many people have had people fill out covenant cards? I'm going to get... Hey, any pastors in the room? I got something just for you. They roll in the church and they say... I'm never going to leave. I read my iPhone. I set a timer. Let's see. Under over, Tim. Under over. 30 days, 45 days. Got it? No. You can say anything to men that you want to. You can grab the horns of the altar. You can do whatever you want. They need to be accountable to whom? To God. All right. Good? So you need to understand your role. Your role is very special, but you are not an accountability person. You are not the Holy Spirit. You are not their mentor. You are nothing. You are really a disciple, their peer. Hopefully you've been there. If you haven't, by the way, we have a whole thing where, that we can show you how to cheat. We call it fake it till you make it, and it sounds so bad. But, but some of you want to make disciples, but you've never read the Bible. We can show you how to do that without messing them up. I'm not promising you won't look silly. But, but I am, but you can do it without derailing them. Does that make sense? So you, you don't have to be perfect to do this. All right. So intentionally you is know what you're making, know how you'll make them, be prepared, confident, and skilled, and understand your role. Got it? Okay. So, so we have these three. By the way, there's so much more data on this, but let's get through and we can come back. You guys got questions? Write them down. Got it? All right. So three people, three goals. <coughs> What are the three goals? I already told you, so you should know. They what? Well, let's go for understand the why. Right? If I say understand the Bible, all of a sudden they feel like, oh gosh, I got to know who wrote this, this, that. How about this? Do you just understand the truth? What is it? Oh, I don't know how edgy I can be, but I can make you never forget this. So the first biblical truth that ever made me feel good. Okay, I was a mess. I was in business. It was money, power, girls, glory, gun, you know, whatever. That, that was me. That was the guy you didn't want your daughter, sister to date. Do we clear? When I got married, I mean, when I got married, when I, when I got saved and I looked at the Ten Commandments, I was scoring about a 50. This was like at year one. You, we clear? And then one day, and nobody was helping me, so I, there's no hope. I started reading the Bible, and I don't know why, but I read Leviticus. Well, that was a bizarre read, but I got to the part, I got to this one verse there in Leviticus that said, don't sleep with donkeys. And I was like, I got this. <laughs> there is a part about don't sleep with, I got this. All of a sudden I began to realize things were changing in my life and it was no longer an oppression. So it's not that they have to understand the whole Bible. It's just they need to understand the truth, right? At that point, I didn't really understand why no animals, but I, I at least got no animals, right? 
and, and so over time, you, you people begin to understand. And the way they do that is our final session, which is on stop signs. There is a way that people add value or understand why. Those are the same thing. Why and value, same thing. And, and it's by the way they connect truths. So it all goes back to Blue's Clues, the most successful learning, same episode five days a week. They are connecting neural pathways in your kid's brain, right? And your kids learn. You can do the same thing in discipleship. It rocks. It's super simple. And they'll be smart. And they'll be like, I get this. And they'll go, yeah, well, I, I used a good method. You just, just let them be superheroes. Okay? So they understand the why, right? They what? They do it on their own. No accountability, nothing. They now understand the value. They begin to test it. It works. So they, they understand the why. They do it on their own. And they navigate the unknown. I don't, I don't have time because we've had so many other fun and I want to have time for you. Any questions, Jeff? <laughs> but I want to ask you, like, how do you know what car to buy? Because I believe God has an answer for everything. And there actually are six principles in the Bible that can guide you to that answer. That's like grown-up stuff. Romans 14, 23 says what? It says, anything you do that you don't do in faith, in other words, that you're not sure God told you to do, is sin. Even if you guess right, you guessed so you weren't following God. This is grown-up stuff. That's the unknowns. And you can get them there. Those are your three goals. Get them to understand why, and we can show you how to do that like method with method. Get them to what? Do it on their own. They build confidence. They build confidence themselves, trust. They begin to think, I could fly, Mom. I could fly. And then what? then you help them get on that track of connecting a lot of God's truths to navigate the unknown. So how do you do that? Three people, three goals, three strategies. Three people, three goals, three strategies. The strategies we will hit in that final session, whatever time it is. Do you, do, does anybody know the times? It, whatever. The final one tomorrow when we talk about stop signs. So we're going to do the pathway. It's 14 intentional moments you can have with them, knowing what to give them, when they need it, to move them on, what to do with Jorge. Okay? And then this, the strategies, I'm going to give them to you, and we're going to blow them up later because there's just not enough time. Here they are. You ready? You want them to, to be prepared, confident, and skilled. These are our words. We've not trademarked them. Feel free to use them. I don't care. As long as you do good. If you don't do good, don't use them. <laughs> Prepared, confident, and skilled. So we say when you understand the truth, when you know the truth and you understand the why, you are prepared. When you do it on your own, you're demonstrating confidence. You become confident of God's words and you begin to apply them. Not because Mark told me to, not because Carrot told me to, not because Jack told me to, but because I've seen this value, and he's an incredible creator. I now know him. I'm through the Bible two times. Skilled is navigating the unknowns. So I'll give you a little preview, and then I hope you come back. And if you don't, there's a bunch of resources, because I know there's a lot. Like, I, I think it's cool that you're here. There are so many great breakouts. So just, you know, that's awesome. I think they're recording these. So do whatever. Or get it. We can help you however we can help you. Prepared. All you need them to do is consume truth. That's it. Not your truth, not truth in a guide. You're one of discipleship. No study Bibles, no study resources, no Google. Get a Bible that you can read. I don't care if it's a kid's Bible. And all they do is consume truth. They just highlight things that stick out. You watch the Holy Spirit convict them, change their lives. Who's now making the disciple? 
Cool. That's a very short version. They become confident. In year two of discipleship, when you come in and you say, well, I read this thing that said, don't sleep with donkeys. And I'm like, cool. Do you, you've read the Bible now for a year. Where else did you see that truth in the Bible? And you're like, oh, it was repeated like 12 times in the Old Testament. I'm like, that's good. What does that do? Connected truth builds trust. Trust in God's word. Connected truth builds confidence in the disciple. They, well, it's like 10 times he said this. He's pretty serious about this. And then they try it on their own. And they see God come through. Anybody know somebody who ties and is broke? Because I don't. But that first couple times, but once I connect 10 truths about money, and then I decide to follow God in it, and I start doing it on my own, not because somebody's passing a plate, now I'm what? I'm confident. You get it? And then, how do you get to here? You connect indirect truths. Your brain, by the way, does this. Uh, don't be scared of science. When we observe what God created or when we observe what Satan messed up, we observe where we're at. And I believe God designed our brains to work this way. In fact, if anybody is familiar with mind mapping, that's all we're talking about. A truth connected to two more that are related connected to two more. This is how your brain works. It's neural pathway learning. Okay? So like at the end of the path, is this truth that Jesus loves me. That's the big truth. But along the way, there's all these little packages. So when I see one of those packages, my brain fires to Jesus loves me. I can go back and look at all the other packages. But the way you learn is shortcuts. This is all decision science, fun stuff. You learn by shortcuts. Your brain can't handle all that math. So it has 10 triggers that all lead to... Anybody got some emotional triggers? Wouldn't you like to get those off your path? Right? But all those triggers just lead to one truth, right? And normally in counseling, those triggers lead to I'm not good enough or whatever, right? But we can make those triggers lead to God's truth, to the way work, brain works. So if you work with it, and, and the cool part is they give a year to do each one of these. And you'll just watch them. They struggle, they struggle, struggle, and they get to the end of the year and they're like, dude, I totally get this. And we're like, that's awesome. Don't tell them the system. Until they're ready to make disciples, don't even give them the book. Just shh. let God do what God does. So we, we say here at Sustainable Discipleship, forever nobody can figure this out because like, oh, uh, Robert's my back. He's my friend in the back. He was, first time you came in the room, Doug, you took up a lot of space. And I figured, all right, here's another disciple guy. What's he selling? And it took us a long time to figure out why nobody could understand us. It's because we couldn't. God just helped us understand all we're doing is sharing a method that is based on God's design of human beings and his word and great discipleship practices and a ton of research that you can deploy in any church of any size, of any culture. This whole thing about build a discipleship culture, I love you, you go do that. I'm going to build disciples. And then I'll have a discipleship culture. You want to turn a church? Make disciples. Don't talk about it. Do it. You get to 40%, your culture will be changed. You start changing your culture by doing this, you'll be doing it for 10 years unless you're an authoritarian, in which case you'll make no disciples. You'll make robots. Just make disciples. You'll turn your culture. So make, we with? We good? All right, let me tell you a couple things. Um, let's see. So tomorrow at 8 in the morning, is anybody going to try to pull this off? I'll be here. We are going to talk about amazing, in intentional, amazing groups. 
long before, I love they named us this because our whole thing, one of the key four things that makes discipleship work, no matter whose program it is, is it's intentional. I love the name of this conference. I love these guys. I love what they're doing, and I love the name. So just want to tell you, intentional amazing groups, the only way you'll have amazing groups is to go intentional, and you need to know things like, how's the body of Christ fit in? What do you do? Like, it's co-eds. Like, it's called Boy Meet Girl. Don't, we have a slide, right? It's boy meets girl. And so the question is, can, everybody says you can't do that. You know what our research says? We're, we're into measuring percents now. We're at 90% minimum. We're at 95 in our church. We found we can get up to 96 or 97. Like we're, we're shooting for nobody falling out. There's some times where you put men and women in discipleship where everybody grows up. Because guess what? When they go out in the real world, do dudes just have to deal with dudes? Do girls, do you get it? So women see the Bible in a way, men, big surprise, that we don't. But when you sit for a year and watch what they highlight, get it? What's the perfect size group? One-on-one. Eh, we'll never save the world. Actually, statistically, over 12 years of research, the perfect size group is one and three. However, it's only marginally. I can do one in 12, and I only lose a percent. The new one, I, and if one of you has just like a big church, I need a big church who can just risk 100 people. I want to do 100. This is my new thing, because I think I can do it. And I think I could do it, and then the guys and gang will track it. What if we could do 100 a year? Oh, that'd be awesome, right? God's big. Okay, so that's at 8 o'clock, and then I think at 11 o'clock, we're doing the 14 intentional moments, which is that revolutionary, we didn't invent it. It's proved out in data in the Bible. 14, huh? <laughs> 14, 14 intentional moments. Guaranteed that if you make a disciple, you can go through. You could go through them willingly or unwillingly, knowingly or unknowingly, but once you get them, uh, Darren, you're here. Darren goes like, I feel like I'm not earning my keep because like this makes it too easy. Because, And it is because it's God's method. So it works. So that's what we got coming up. Um, we love your questions. So if you have questions, I will stay here. We can talk. And, well, whenever it starts. When does it start? We're not going to interrupt them. Five slides? Uh, did I have five slides? Which one are you looking for? Oh, the three strategies. Yeah. Go after that. There you go. Oh, yeah. So this, did I, I said this, but not directly. Right. We want them in year one to find discrete truths, just whatever. In year two, we want them to connect direct truths, only things that look alike. There's a different way of saying it. In year three, we want them to do what? Indirect truths. Right? Right. So they say tithing. I'm reading Malachi. It stole from God. Right. Cool. Did you see it somewhere else? Yeah, I remember seeing, like, didn't Abraham do that? Yeah, he did. So what'd you learn there? Like, yeah, and then and then the, and then the, the two guys in the beginning of the Bible, they did it. Okay, so what are you learning here? Like, we should probably thank God and give him a thankful gift. Awesome. Are you doing that? No? What are you going to do about it? Uh, dude, you got to say if you're going to follow or not. You got the truth. What are you going to do? Guess I'll write a check. Cool. Hey, while we're here... In that verse back with Cain and Abel, seeing I'm just being nice, prompting, giving some names. Who cares if they know where it is? They got the truth. They'll get there. Cain and Abel, what was the real issue? Was it the tithing? Well, no, it was jealousy. Cool. So you learned something else, didn't you? 
Get it? Moves you to the unknowns because it teaches you to think conceptually, which is what makes us different than my dog, Chewy. Does that help? Okay, so if you have questions, you can scan this code right here. I'll put it up one more time. And if you really want to know more, I hate doing this. Okay, you can name your own price. You can come for free. We don't care. But if you want to know more, there's two easy ways. One is uh, the workshops. So we have three coming up. October in Huntsville, two in Atlanta, November 2nd through two days after that, and November 7th through 9th. Hey, I did that one. And then there's one in January. Why? We're all leading up to what we call the best start date. The statistically best start date is between February 20th. No, I lied. Between February 1st and February 20th. You will get double-digit increased results if you start then. We have tried this a thousand ways. It falls perfect with vacations, holidays, everything. We know the breakpoints, right? The first 90 days are the most critical. The middle six months, cake. The last, they're really down pat. They got it. So then you have Thanksgiving and Christmas because they're already good. They're good. They already know it. And you're just winding down, getting ready for the next year. So that's why we have the workshops laid out the way they are. If you can come to one, I promise you'll have fun. Uh, we cover like all this stuff and more in detail. You can go to the resources page at the top of the page. It says free B guarantee and that cute. I came up with that. So the free B guarantee, if you're tight on money, you can just click the B. It'll throw up a coupon all the way down to zero. You just do whatever you want. Do whatever you can do. If you can support stuff, great, but don't care. So these are the two places. And then you can find any Waldo. They all are making disciples or living this. They can tell you I'm here all week tomorrow. And <laughs> we got anything else? That's it. Good. Go do what you got to do. Would love to see you again. But whatever you do, what? Make disciples and make them well. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that it encouraged and challenged you in the way that it did me. I was really convicted a lot through that episode, but I was also really um, uplifted and encouraged like, hey, man, you can do this. Let's get it together. Let's do this. So I hope that you feel that way, too. Up next, we have Sustainable Discipleship's fourth and final track session. And then we're going to be jumping into sessions from this most recent forum. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, I did switch around the track sessions on accident with Sustainable Discipleship. So if you need to skip back to episode 34 and listen to the Q&A and listen to Doug kind of expound on that three-hour disciple, um, feel free to do that. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you on the next episode.